This is Cosmic Coffee Time, the place where we take a look at what's happening somewhere in the universe in about the time it takes to have a coffee. And this episode is special. It's our first birthday here at Cosmic Coffee Time, but you get the gift. This time, we're doing a special quadruple episode dedicated to the four Galilean moons of Jupiter. I'm Andrew Prestige. Grab a coffee and settle in for this special episode because Cosmic Coffee Time is cosmology in a cup. Get onto Twitter and share a selfie with other space fans to show us where you're listening from. Or if you like it old school, send us an email at cosmiccoffeetime at gmail.com. As always, and you know this by now, links are in the show notes. Let's kick off our special tour of the Galilean moons of Jupiter with a special shout out to the man himself, Galileo, for whom the Galilean moons are named. Back in episode 10, we took a look at how he turned his telescope to Saturn. But today, we're going to look at what he found when he turned that trusty telescope to Jupiter in January 1610. More specifically, the quartet of tiny points of light that seemed to be orbiting Jupiter. They were named Io, Europa, Ganymede and Callisto. Io is the closest to Jupiter. For a long time, astronomers figured that the solar system's moons would be a lot like Earth's moon, dry, dusty and dead. How wrong we were. Our first opportunity for a close-up view of Io was in the early 70s, when the Pioneer probes visited. It wasn't a resounding success, because the high radiation environment stopped a lot of the radio signals getting back to Earth, and we ended up with a single picture. 1979 saw the Voyager probes fly by. This changed everything. Io was not the dry, dusty, dead object we expected. It was breathtaking. There weren't any impact craters to be seen. The surface had features that looked like lava flows and there were huge mountains. Even more significantly than that was what looked like a plume emanating from the surface. Io was covered in volcanoes. These were the first active volcanoes ever detected beyond Earth. Io doesn't have enough mass to cause its interior to heat enough to create lava. So how's this heat generated? Well, Io is really close to Jupiter, which is incredibly massive. It also has orbital resonances with two other moons, Europa and Ganymede. This causes incredibly strong tidal forces, 20,000 times stronger than the tides on Earth. This deforms the surface by up to 100 metres. All this bending and stretching creates tidal heating, just like when you bend some wire back and forth. This is enough to create lava that erupts from Io's volcanoes. Io is nothing like the moon we know. Next up is Europa. Now this one has to be dry, dusty and dead, right? Wrong again. Europa is smooth, the smoothest object in the solar system. No mountains, no impact craters, no volcanoes. The surface is icy smooth with some darker crack-like features. And it looks to be a perfect frozen marble. 
One similarity with IO is that it probably has some tidal flexing that scientists believe creates heat that could cause a layer of liquid water 10 to 30 kilometres below the icy crust. Scientists think that there could be twice as much water on Europa as in all the oceans of the Earth combined. Potentially, this liquid water could have convection currents that create action just like plate tectonics on Earth. This could explain the cracking features we see in the Voyager images. The Galileo space probe, named after the man himself, captured some shots that could show plumes of water vapour. One day, if we send a lander to Europa, those plumes would be awesome to study. Even an orbiter could potentially pass through a plume and collect a sample to analyse on board. There's so much potential to learn what lies deep within that icy marble. Moving a little further from Jupiter, we find Ganymede, This is the biggest moon in the entire solar system. It's bigger than the planet Mercury. So is this moon dry, dusty and dead? Well, we're getting warmer. Unlike Io and Europa that we've looked at already, Ganymede does have craters and other ancient landmarks. The most striking feature of Ganymede after its craters is that it has very distinct light areas and dark areas. The dark areas are the oldest, around 4 billion years, which dates to the very beginning of the solar system. The lighter areas are more recent, but not by much. The dark areas, being more ancient, have more impact craters, a souvenir of a time when there was more matter swirling around in the solar system. The light areas, being more recent, have been active at some stage, and have valleys and ridges in these areas as well. We don't know for sure what caused this geological activity, but like we suspect happened with Io and Europa, it could have been the result of tectonic activity caused by tidal heating. Another possibility is that heat was produced when the core was forming, generating enough heat to start convection currents that could cause tectonic movement. A third type of surface on Ganymede is worth a mention too. It has white polar caps that appear to be covered in water-based frost. Ganymede has a thin atmosphere that contains oxygen and it's the only moon in the solar system that has its own magnetic field. The first three moons of Jupiter are locked in an orbital resonance. This means that as Ganymede orbits Jupiter once every seven days and three hours, Europa orbits twice and Io orbits four times. But the fourth and final of the Galilean moons is Callisto and Callisto doesn't participate in this orbital resonance. Callisto is about the same size as Mercury, so pretty big by moon standards. In fact, It's the third largest moon in the solar system, but it's not so dense and has the least mass and lowest gravity of the Galilean moons. And if we were on the hunt for a dusty, dry and dead moon, we found it with Callisto. Callisto has the most ancient surface in the solar system. 
the surface is completely covered in craters from impacts dating back to the beginning of the solar system. There's no evidence of tidal heating. There's no evidence of tectonic movement, no volcanism, no geological activity at all, ever. It's a time capsule from 4 billion years ago. So why? It seems that Callisto formed incredibly slowly. As the solar system was forming, it began as a dust cloud. As clumps formed, they created their own gravity and attracted more matter, which made for stronger gravity and more accretion of matter. This created the planets and the moons. If this process happens quickly, it creates a lot of heat in the core, and this separates the matter into layers. On Earth, we see that as the crust, the mantle, and the core. This is called differentiation. But if accretion happens slowly, like really slowly, we don't get that heat. And if there's no tidal heating... The layers never form. We don't have differentiation. Callisto is the largest object in the solar system that hasn't been properly differentiated, so it must have formed incredibly slowly. That's great, because it gives us that incredibly ancient surface to study. It's like a letter from the earliest days of the solar system. I hope you've enjoyed this special birthday edition of Cosmic Coffee Time. Remember to check out the Cosmic Coffee Time Twitter feed and share a selfie. And if there's something in the universe that you want us to take a closer look at, keep the emails rolling in. Links, as you know, are in the show notes. Thanks for joining me. I'm Andrew Prestige, and I'll see you and all our space fans again soon for another Cosmic Coffee Time.